Welcome to Rock Harbor. So good to see everybody here today. This is your first time. We're especially grateful that you've chosen to be here. Uh, My name is Scott. I'm one of the guys on staff here, and it's my privilege uh, to share with you today as we continue. Actually, we're wrapping up our series uh, in Romans 12 today. We've been walking through this for the past six, seven weeks. And so today we'll put an end cap on that. And then next weekend, uh, we'll start a new sermon series called Power in Weakness. We're going to be walking through 2 Corinthians. Uh, last year we went through 1 Corinthians, so this year we'll be going through uh, 2 Corinthians. This has been fun. It's been good to uh, get the new year started off right, talking about being in uh, God's Word, being deeply rooted uh, in God's Word. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. Turn to the book of Romans chapter number 12, and uh, we'll jump off in just a second. And uh, so the, the past few weeks, obviously week one, we talked through, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, uh, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then verse 2, it picks up and says, and there will be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we kind of talked about what's that look like for us today? I mean, obviously being deeply rooted means we're going to be involved in God's word, reading it, uh, putting that in our hearts, in our lives. It'll change the way that we act. It'll change the way that we live. And then we walk through verses four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, talked about abhorring evil and what that looks like in our culture, in our context uh, today. And then today we're going to be talking about uh, something I feel is so important for us, but how do we deal with conflict? Um, conflict happens, right? Every single one of us, uh, we probably have had some conflict in our life, and we think about all the different types of conflict that there are today, right? There is relational conflict. Um, there's conflict that we have maybe with a husband and wife, maybe with a son, daughter. Um, there's some conflict there that happens in the family. Um, and when I think back to all my years of, of ministry, um, how, many, how many times I've sat down with people um, who are trying to figure out how do I deal with the conflict that's going on in my life? I mean, what's that look like for me? I'm trying to live this thing out, but man, sometimes it's tough to like figure out what do I do with this conflict, right? We have national conflict that's out there today um, amongst other countries, things moving around, or you hear things about China, and you hear things about North Korea, and you hear things about all these different, different ways. There's all these different conflict on a national level. And then you hear about political conflict, right? That's something that's exciting to think and talk about. I mean, let's just talk about that this morning. Let's not. Okay, so we talk about what that might look like. I mean, there's all kinds of political stuff that goes on in our society today. We talk about financial conflicts, right? I mean, what's that look like and how I manage money and what, what do I do with that and how do I manage it the way God wants me to and how do I work that out and, and how do I make sure my relationships, maybe I have relationships at work, right? Maybe you have that boss, right? That one boss. Maybe you are that boss, right? Nobody wants to be around. I don't know, but it's like, how do I, how do I deal with that kind of conflict? I mean, what do I do? And here's the beauty. Um, God's word, it tells us exactly how to handle it, what we're supposed to do with the conflict that comes in to our lives. So if you have your Bibles there, Romans 12, um, we're going to look at a couple different verses and uh, kind of talk through what some of that conflict might look like. This is what God's word says in Romans 12, uh, verse number 14. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony one with another and do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. It says to repay no one evil for evil, uh, but give, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with you ever had prosecution or persecution come your way before? 
July 18th, 2015 was one of those days for me. It was a day that I just got back from a vacation, and, and my family was going to be driving back a little bit later. We had done some vacationing, and then we had a basketball tournament. And uh, I came home a little bit early because I needed to be home for church on a Saturday night. It was before we moved to Idaho, and, and uh, I, I was, had to be at church on Saturday night. And so I got to church, and um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but on vacation, we spent a little bit more money than we should have. Has that ever happened before? Yeah, okay, every time. Okay, cool. So I'm the only one. Thanks, appreciate that. So, so I, at the time, I, I worked at a church and have full-time vocationally my whole life, but I also had a business on the side. Um, where I sold firearms and accessories and ammunition. And that's really weird. A pastor who sells guns is twisted. That's me. Sorry. Anyway, um, don't do it anymore. Um, You'll know why now. But I I, I come home and I'm like, this guy had contacted me while I was away and said he wanted to buy a couple things. And I'm like, God provides, right? It's like manna. And so you're going to buy a couple things. That's going to take care of what I need to take care of. It's a beautiful thing. So after church that night, um, I I went and I met this guy in a parking lot and was going to sell him a couple things. And so we chatted for about 15, 20 seconds probably, and then he walked to the back of his car to get, get the money, and he came back, and instead of having money, um, he had an AK-47 and started walking at me. And two other guys popped out from the side that I didn't know were there, and they both had handguns, and they both were pointing them at me. And I said to myself, I said, self, I said, yeah. I said, this is not a good situation. <laughs> and in that moment, I, I knew I had two options, right? It was fight or flight. There's already three guys that have the jump and they already have guns drawn on me and I have no gun out right now. Um, and I'm in a pair of flip-flops and some shorts and I have this clipboard so you can fill out some paperwork and it's going to be awesome, right? And yeah, so I, I did what every red-blooded American does. Is I began to back away and said, dude, you can have it all. You can have it all. You can have it all. Okay, let me be honest. I, I turned around and tucked tail and ran as fast as I possibly could and I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. You can have it, dude. It's fine. It's good. I don't really care. And as I was running away, I'll never forget the feeling of just waiting to hear a blast. That's an awful feeling. I was just waiting. And to my surprise, um, they, they, they ran, they jumped into my truck. There were two people who were actually in the parking lot who actually saw the whole thing happen. Um, they both actually happened to be in law enforcement. One was a dispatcher, one was a police officer. Um, that was kind of interesting. And so they gave me the right act for what I was doing. That's a whole other story. But anyway, so, so one guy, he chased them out of there, right, and tried to, to follow them. They got away. He got, they all got away. It's what happened. But I lived that night. And when you face that kind of persecution, you realize really quick what's really important. doesn't matter what you have. Um, doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. House doesn't matter. Vehicles don't matter. Really, all that matters is like, okay, my relationship with him, yeah, and my family, right? And my relationship with people. And I called a buddy. He came down to pick me up after I dealt with law enforcement and took me home and got in my house. And I called my wife because she was driving back with the kids that night. It's about 10 o'clock at night. And I knew that she was driving back from Vegas and she was going to get in really late. And I talked to my, my family for four hours on the phone. And my wife should have known something was wrong. Because what male talks on the phone for four hours? I mean, four minutes, and I'm like, babe, I love you. Can't wait to see you when you get home. I'm going to bed, right? For four hours, I just needed to have somebody to talk to. But I couldn't tell her what happened because, like, she'd freak out, tell me I was an idiot, which is true. But she'd be thankful I was alive. So... She gets home that night and shared the whole story. 
That's awesome to tell your spouse. How about you? You ever face persecution? I mean, not like that, hopefully. We all do. We face persecution on some level. For some of us, we have some enemies along the way. I mean, it's shocking to think that people wouldn't like us, right? I mean, because we're like really good people. I mean, I know many of you have gotten to interact and talk and hang out a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, you're good people. I'm like, most of you. I mean, most, everybody's really a good person. I'm just kidding. We're all good people, right? I mean, like, why wouldn't somebody like me? Why would they want to persecute me? And the Bible tells us, what do we do with someone when they don't like us? What, what do we do? Well, the very first part of verse 14, it tells us exactly what to do. It says to bless those who persecute you. Bless those who want to hurt you. Oh, yeah, I got a blessing I'd like to give some people, right? When that guy robbed me that night, I wanted to bless him. I'll bless you. Come on over here, buddy. Let's match things up even for you. Let's all bless. Yeah, that's what I thought. I wanted to bless him, all right? And then it goes on and it says that we shouldn't curse them out. You ever had an interaction where something happened, somebody wronged you, and you wanted to cuss them out? Don't raise your hand. Okay? And we've actually done that. Raise your hand. No, just kidding. That's a feeling that we have, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you want to do wrong to me? Okay, it's an eye for an eye, right? You want to wrong me? I'll wrong you back. I'm cool with that. That's Old Testament law, not New Testament law. That's what they did back in the day, but now Jesus came. Everything changed, right? So what's that look like for us? It says that when someone does us wrong, that we should bless them. That word bless in the Greek, it means eulogia, right? E-U-L-O-G-I-A, okay? It means to give them a good word. I had a good word for him that night. (laughs) Amen. That's awesome. I wanted to give him a good word. You ever wanted to give somebody a good word before? Yeah, I want to give you a good word. God says that when someone wrongs us, we should want to bless them. That's not natural, is it? It's not natural to do that. That's exactly what God tells us that we are supposed to do. Give people a good word. Second thing he says is that we need to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice. I would summarize this, that that we're to, to, to bless and be a blessing to those and celebrate what they're doing in their life. Sometimes it's hard to celebrate with other people, isn't it? We have a, a couple on staff, they, they, uh, they're, they're getting ready to buy a house, their very first house. And they share with us um, at staff meeting this week uh, that they're getting ready to buy their very first house. That was their praise. And then we all are like, yes, that is awesome. We are so excited for them. How cool is that? They get, to, they get to buy their very first house. And they were going on and on and on talking about it. And we were celebrating um, what they were getting to do. And honestly, I was celebrating because whenever somebody buys a house, it means they're staying longer. I mean, it's like, yes. They're going to stay on staff longer. That's awesome. I mean, that's what we want. We want to see that continue to happen. And we're celebrating what what God is doing in their life. And that's what we should do. But sometimes instead of rejoicing, sometimes we resent people. Oh, well, why do they get to have that? I mean, you see the new car they got? Man, do you see what just happened? That's really, really cool. I mean, I'm just so happy for them. So happy for them. Why is that our nature, though? It is, isn't it? It's like we, we resent as opposed to rejoice. It's like we should, we should want to rejoice with people. I know some of you right now, you're looking at my shoes and going, man, Scott, those are some good-looking shoes. And you're jealous. I get it. Some of you are thinking, why are you wearing those? 
because an 18-year-old got them for me, you know? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to, I know I'm not 18. I'm 40, none of your stinking business, right? (laughs) Trying to pull off what an 18-year-old would wear. I get that. I know it doesn't make sense. You're resenting my shoes right now, okay? I get that. It's cool. That's on you, not me, okay? Some of you are looking up going, what is he wearing, right? (laughs) I see that. Trying to cop a sneak of those. I see it, yeah. The Bible says we should rejoice with those who rejoice. And then we should, on the flip side, we should weep with those that weep. Man, that's tough to do, isn't it? We should weep over things. That's the other side of the coin. It means that we need to be sensitive to other people's feelings. I should be sensitive to how other people are feeling about things. And to have some self-awareness with that. Because not everybody feels the same way. And by my words, I can really hurt somebody if I'm not careful. This means we need to have empathy with people. You see, being sorry for something, sympathy is just simply feeling sorry for somebody. Empathy is feeling sorrow with someone. You ever sat with someone when they just received awful, devastating news? You know what that's like? I mean, they just received some of the worst news of their life. Maybe it's from a doctor's visit. Maybe it's from a mom or a dad. Maybe it's about a child. Maybe it's about their marriage. They receive this devastating news. And they just begin to weep. The Bible says that we should weep with those who weep. We should mourn and we should try to relate to people where they are. I found this really obscure little verse in Psalms 56 and verse number 8. And this is exactly what it's talking about is, is what this looks like for us. It says in Psalms 56, 8, it says, You have kept count of my tossings or my way of going, my wandering, the way that I go, my path. It says, And you put my tears in your bottle, the psalmist writes. Are they not in your book? I, I read about in, during the Civil War time that there was... Moms and loved ones who they would literally, they were weeping over their husband or their child going into war. And they would take little vials and they would capture their tears in these little vials. And they would just let the, 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 the vial just fill up with their tears. And then they would take those vials and they would give it to their loved one to take with them to the battlefield during the Civil War. And in collectors today, they still collect these little tear vials from the Civil War period. And it was a reminder for those who were out to battle that there's somebody back home that I'm fighting for. There's somebody back home that I need to go back to. There's somebody who's praying for me. There's somebody who's standing in my corner. And those tears are not going to be shed for nothing. And in the Scripture, it's as if God is saying that, that He's in heaven and He has tear vials that He collects that when we have hard times, when we have difficult times, when we're crying those rivers of tears that are coming out, it's as if he's collecting those and he values them and he cherishes them because he loves you and he loves me. Conflict is going to come into our life. And the Bible says we should bless those who persecute us. We should rejoice with those who rejoice in those times and we should weep with those who weep. But it's a choice that we get to make. What do we do with that? 
The third thing the scripture says is that we should live in harmony with one another. Well, that sounds easy. Thanks, Lord, for putting that in there. Just live in harmony with everybody. Just make that happen. Thanks, right? Is that the easiest thing in the world to do? Not at all. Why? Because we all have this will. I mean, we all have a will, right? We, we like to do things the way that we desire to do them. To live in harmony with one another, one thing we have to do is we have to be willing to sacrifice our need to always be right. I'm going to ask a question, and I want you to play along with me today. And, and at the Hub, I want you to play along with this as well. And, and, and so the question is this. I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to either nod your head up and down, right, or side to side. But don't look at the person sitting next to you. That's very important, right? Okay? Do you know anybody that has the need to be right all the time? Oh, that's a lot of... Some of you are like really shaking your head. You must have children. Okay, cool. All right? Okay? Then I saw some of you that were going like this because your spouse is sitting next to you. Did they see that? I hope not. Okay, Lord. That's a long conversation on the way home. Okay, cool. Second question is this, right? Do you know anyone who has to have the last word? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Some of you are smiling and nodding. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, okay. Now you're looking at the person next to you. Don't do that. Dangerous, dangerous territory right there. Let me ask you this question. Do you think anybody thought about us when we asked those questions and answered our name? Hmm. Really glad my wife's not here in the service. Chances are sometimes, huh? Living in harmony means it's not my will, right? It's not what I want necessarily, but I'm going to listen and love those who are around me and listen to what they have to say. The author Jack London, he, he, in one of his books, he wrote a story talking about some reindeer who were up far north and how one day they were, they were being attacked by a pack of wolves. And there were many smaller little reindeer that were, that were there with them. And when it, this pack of wolves came in, it was like it just utter chaos. They were running everywhere, going everywhere. And, and they got a few of the smaller little reindeer away. And, and they were thinking, okay, how do we deal, this, deal with this? And all of a sudden, it was like as if a, a, a light bulb just, or light switches came on. And they all came together, all the reindeer. And they circled up. And in the middle, they put all of the baby, the small reindeer. And then once they did that, they began to kick their hooves, their back legs outward, right? And began to kick the wolves in the faces, whoever's coming around. And all of a sudden, in time, the wolves didn't like that, and they took off, and they split. The key to their success was is that they all came together around one thing. They put their minds together to protect the younger reindeer. That's a great picture for us today. What if we were to put our minds and our hearts together around our families and say we're going to protect one another? It's why we talk about being in community groups so much here as a church. You see, we believe that we're so much better together than we ever could be on our own. The reason that we do life like in circles or better than rows, and you hear that over and over and over, is because when we're sitting in a circle, we're going to be known We're also going to get to know people. I think about people in my community group and the things that we've been able to share and experience together. And some of those were really, really good. Some of those have been really, really difficult. And I'm so thankful to God that that we get to walk through that together. 
Because we do have an adversary who is against us. What's 1 Peter 5, 8 say? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's coming after us. And the Bible says we're better together than we ever could be on our own. And to live in harmony, we need to do it with other people. We can't do it just on our own. The fourth thing that we learn from this text is that it says this. It says in verse 16, it says, Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. This means that we need to be kind to all kinds. We need to be kind to everyone. You see, I, I've heard it said before that, that, that people who don't know Jesus, they, they don't read the Bible. They read the people who read the Bible. They, they don't read the Bible. They're not going to take that out and go, oh, yeah, mm, that's good. Oh, yes, yes, Lord, that's good. You know what they do? You like that. They're going to watch your life and they're going to watch mine. They're going to see how we act. Oh, you say you do this, but I see you do this. I thought you were like a Christian. I thought you like were a follower of Christ. I am. Oh, so you can do that. Well, n- no. Oh. They don't read the Bible. They read you and me. They watch what we do. They see how we act. They see how we live. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it, it, it talks about this this idea of partiality and, and, and how we live peaceably with, with all people. James 2.1 says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring um, and fine clothing, he comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing uh, also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say where to sit in a good place, while you say to the poor man, hey, just stand over there, or sit down at my feet. You have not then made a distinction among yourselves. You have become judges with evil thoughts. You see, for some reason in our culture today, we sometimes think it's okay to treat people um, in ways that we ourselves wouldn't want to be treated. We treat people in a way that, that is not godly. It's not the way that God would want us to treat one another. We think that we can just do that. I think about a homeless person. We drive by a homeless person, and what's our first thought? Oh, guy's on the side of the road. Okay, don't make eye contact, right? Just look forward. Don't make eye contact. Make eye contact. I'm still looking forward. Light, please turn green. I don't want to make eye contact. Well, what should be our first response? To help somebody else out. We don't know their story. We don't know what's happened in their life. I don't. I don't know their story. I may not know your whole story. You may not know my whole story. But our minds can go to, uh, they made some choices. That's why they got to where they are today. It's their fault. As opposed to, how do I, how do I live peaceably with all people? How do I show genuine love and be kind to all kinds? Historians tell us that the Roman Empire, the main reason that it fell was because of the church. The church was the only place that it didn't matter how much money you had. It didn't matter your status. It didn't matter what you looked like. It didn't matter what you smelled like. When you came there, it was a level playing field. Before, before the cross, the, le- the ground is all level. There's no different levels before the cross. 
Nobody is any better or any worse than anyone else. We're all simply just in need of a Savior. That's it. The reason that the church it, it flourished is because it didn't matter what somebody looked like or smelled. It didn't matter. It was like it was all about Jesus. It wasn't about us. That's what God wants us to do today. He wants us to live into that. The last thing is we need to live in humility. We need to live in humility today. So, you know, life's not about me. It's about what he has done for me. How do we live in humility? It says, never be wise in your own sight. That means don't be self-centered. Don't be high-minded. Don't make life about you. You've heard us say this many times. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. We also say it like this, is that we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take the gospel very seriously. I mean, for us to stand up and, and to share that over and over and over again, that it's not about us, it's all about him. It's about what he's done for us in our hearts and in our lives. And, and God wants to change that, but only if we allow him, if we allow him in. It's up to us. For some of us, what we really need to do is we just need to go get in front of a, a full-length mirror and just take a good, hard laugh and laugh at ourselves. Because for some of us, we take ourselves way too seriously. For some of us to look in the mirror, it's a lot funnier than others, right? I look at myself, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty funny. You need to lose X amount of pounds. Don't judge me. We know that, right? Sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously. So what do we do when we're dealing with this conflict? What's this look like for us? How do we treat people maybe who are different than us? I think back to July 18th, 2015. That was a Saturday night. That Wednesday, I was sitting in my office at work, and a little news flash came across my computer screen. Said a guy had carjacked three different people, and the police had captured him. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll read that." And I started to read the story about what this guy had done. And at the very end of it, it a picture popped up of the guy who did it, and I realized it was the guy who robbed me. That's some weird emotion called my wife and I said, hey, I want you to read this. I'm going to send you this. I want you to read it. So she reads it and she's like, why are you having me read this? I said, well, you see that picture of the guy? She's like, yeah. I said, that's, that's the guy that robbed me Saturday night. And she said, I'd like to bless him. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> A few hours later, I, I walked down the hallway to another guy's office that worked with me and he oversaw our jail and prison ministry. I knew he was going to the jail the next day. They allowed us to go into the jail, and we'd show a service, and then we had a small group gathering afterwards that uh, we walked through the questions, much like we do in our community groups here at Rock Harbor. We just did it in jail there as well. I said, hey, Mark, when you go in, um, if you can see this guy, and I gave him his name, I said, this is the guy that robbed me on Saturday night. So just let him know that I've forgiven him if you get the chance to see him. He went into his class, and when he was done, he went to the CEO and said, hey, would it be possible to see this person? And he said, let me check and see. About 15 minutes goes by, and he said a guy starts walking towards him, and he's got a, a blanket over him. His face is all emaciated. You can tell he's been on drugs for months. And he walked up, and he's like, yeah, what? And 
Mark said to me, he said, hey, just so you know, I know who you are. And I know what you did to my pastor on Saturday night. He said, the guy looked up. He's like, huh. Just put his head back down. Walked out. Three weeks goes by. They were back in, a couple of them doing another small group. and Getting ready to finish everything up. Guy walks in and just sits down in the, in the room on a bench. They're like, that's kind of weird. We're done. They're like, hey, man, we're done. He said, well, I'd like to chat. He's like, all right, let me finish this stuff up, and then we'll come down and we'll, we'll chat. They went over and they sat down with him, started to have a conversation, and said, hey, how's it going? How can we help you? They said, well, you know who I am. He goes, man, I don't know who you are. I've never met you before. He goes, yeah, you have. He said, no, I've never met you before. He said, I'm the guy that robbed your pastor a few weekends ago. Mark was like, oh, okay. He said, Scott, he looked completely different. You could just tell that he'd actually had some nourishment in his body. He'd been off drugs for three weeks now, and he looked like a different person. He said, I had no idea who he was when he walked in and he sat down over there. He said, I'd have went and talked to him a lot quicker if I knew that. They began to have a conversation. Mark shared with them. He said, hey, Scott wants you to know he's forgiven you, whether you ask for forgiveness or not. He began to cry, and they began to have a conversation about his life. He walked him through the Romans road. He shared the plan of salvation with him, how God loved him. He died for him, and he wants to have a relationship with him. And that day, he prayed a prayer to receive Christ as his Savior. That's hard for me. But it's also exciting. Because if he meant it, one day I'll get to see him one day. The Bible says we're to bless those who persecute us. We should give them a good word. We should rejoice with those who rejoice. We should weep with those who weep. We should live in harmony. We should be kind to all people. We should live in humility. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you have someone you need to forgive. I don't know if you need to be forgiven of something. What I do know is that Jesus loves you. And he desperately wants a relationship with you. I don't know about the conflict that's going on in your life right now. Maybe with a spouse, a mom, a dad, a kid at work financially, I I don't know where you are, but Jesus does. And he wants you to bring it to the foot of the cross today. And the question is, what will we do with that? The question is, what will you do with that? Let's pray. Father, we we're overwhelmed by your love for us. We're overwhelmed by your forgiveness. God, we don't deserve anything that you give us. But you love us. And you want a relationship with us. Father, there could be some who are here today that they don't know you. But they're seeking you. But our prayer today is they would find you. There may be some here who are 
man, a relationship is not going the way that it should go. They need forgiveness. They need to offer forgiveness. God, there may be some who are here today that financially their world's upside down. They don't know what to do with it. Maybe they're in conflict with another brother or sister in Christ. They don't know how to handle it. God, before the foot of the cross, it's all equal. And we bring it there today. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.